0: Occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings.
1: Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome back to Mets, Magic and Murder. I'm Abby. I'm Kate. Today I'm going to be talking about cult leader Charles Manson and his uh, Manson family murders. I'm going to be talking about the Beaumont children from Australia. Any housekeeping?
0: Uh, We have some rat name requests. In episode two, if you listen, we got this little skeleton rat. Sweet boy. Yeah, so we were wondering what we should call him. So Kate's going to read all the suggestions now.
1: Unfortunately... Yes, I am. So we've got Sir Cuthbert Rattington III, Sir David Rattenborough, Ratface McGee, Ratness Everdeen, (laughs) Ratunzel, Rat Damon, Rizzo. This one isn't a name, it just says, what's that? A rat? Crazy, funky, chunky rat? (laughs) Silly skeleton, but rat face. (laughs) Susan! Susan! Sorry. Skeeter and Mariah, as in of the skinny legend. So
0: those were some of them. They were. Thank you for your um, incredible suggestions.
1: (laughs) Well, they were definitely suggestions. Ratna Everdeen. Don't know that they were incredible. But still, I'm sensing a theme that he should be knighted because a couple of them said sir.
0: Yeah, that's true. So sir, he's
1: officially been knighted. I just can't get over Roger the Rat.
0: Or Roger the Rat? <laughs> no, me either. I think I'm going to have to stick with Roger. I'm He's so sorry Sir to Roger. all of our loyal listeners. Who, I, I mean,
1: thank you for the knighting yeah. of him. Sir Roger the Rat? <laughs> the third. All right, there are three of him. <laughs> no, he is the third.
0: Like his grandfather, <laughs> so, three of him. Oh, anyway, well, yeah, we're gonna go with Sir Roger the Rat. So thank you for your suggestions, but I'm right. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that you all tried, but none of you were as good as I was.
0: No, but we will knight him. I'll appreciate that. We'll,
1: Ugh. I'll knight him on Instagram.
0: Yeah, we'll knight him
1: with a knife. Probably I don't have a sword. Oh my God.
0: Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so today I'm gonna to talking about Charles Manson. I'm gonna assume you want me to go first. How do? That's how it
1: works. Maybe I don't want you to. You can go first if you want. No, I don't want to. You go ahead.
0: Okay. So I'm going to be talking about Charles Manson, who is one of the most chilling figures in American crime history. What do you know about Charles Manson, Kate? I know that he had some pretty cool hair. (laughs)
1: He killed a couple people. Did he? He led a cult.
0: He did. That one is guaranteed. He did lead a cult. And he is a big old name. He is. He died in 2017 as well, which wasn't that long ago. Oh
1: my goodness, I, remember I it. no happening.
0: idea. You didn't know? I'm <laughs> sure I told you at the time. No, I don't think you did. Kate pretends she's not the true crime, but really, she's a liar. I
1: am, I just don't know that much about Colt.
0: Yeah, well, you might have heard of him, but you might not know sort of the full extent of his crimes and his life and stuff, so I thought we'd explore this topic today. Hit me with it. So, my sources that I have written down... All that is interesting, Wikipedia, CNN, history.com, beetlesbible.com, charlesmanson.com, and refinery29.com. Beatles Bible? You don't know anything about Helter Skelter? No. Well, we'll go on a trip. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> start, the let's start at the very <laughs> beginning. Charles Manson was born on November 12th, 1934, to his 16-year-old mother. For the first few weeks of him being alive, he was unnamed, being referred to as no-name Maddox before being named Charles. A few weeks? To come up with Charles? (laughs) Her surname was Maddox as well, like, for reference. I haven't written every single person's name down because I don't want it to get too confusing. Because obviously, you also have to talk. I don't want this podcast to just be a series of names. Yeah. But her surname was Maddox, which is why that that was... Here's the
1: podcast about the Yellow Pages. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) we delivered so many phone books last week for money oh yes also sorry about not uploading last week oh yeah we should have mentioned that yeah god damn it yeah we should have
0: ah damn yeah we were doing a bunch of phone books to get some extra money for christmas
1: yeah it really did take over our lives because um someone thought it might be a good idea to deliver two and a half thousand phone books in a week i'm broke if you want to
0: donate to us go to our website anyway (laughs) (laughs) resuming so his father was a local labourer, and when he found out about the birth of his son, he said he had to leave on army duty. But after several months, they realised he had no intention of returning.
1: Oh, he went out to get milk.
0: It was reported that when Charles was a baby, his mother sold him to a woman who couldn't have children in exchange for a pitcher of beer. And his uncle had to find the woman. Picture. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a, a
1: photograph.
0: photograph. <laughs> no, a picture. Like a big old that. Big yeah. old jug of beer. Mm-hmm. And his uncle had to find the woman to get him back. So, pretty...
1: pretty rough childhood right from
0: the start. (laughs) Yeah, that too, I suppose. Charles later changed his surname to Manson after his mother married his stepfather. The marriage was short-lived, as his stepfather divorced his mother because he felt she was unstable. This is because she had a drinking problem and would often steal things.
1: No, she had a drinking problem? Who would have thought?
0: When Charles was five years old, his mother and uncle were arrested for committing a fake hold-up where they pretended a bottle of ketchup was a gun. They got away with a car and $27 before the police caught up to them, and they were sent to prison. After this, Charles was taken in by his aunt Glenna and her husband Bill. So I'm telling you this because I find it fascinating how an upbringing could possibly affect a child's life so much. I know obviously you do because you have a degree in psychology, but I think it's kind of important as a a backstory to to get that out there. According to Manson's cousin, as a child, he would be both charming and cruel, lying, stealing, and displaying violent behavior.
1: That's not good.
0: At age 12, he committed his first notable crime, which was stealing money from a grocery store. From here, he committed several other burglaries, as well as stealing cars, mail, forging checks, and pimping out his girlfriends. Wait. Really lovely guy. One of those doesn't go with the others. Forging checks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one. Really confused. How did he do it? (laughs) He was arrested during a nighttime raid and was linked to two other robberies. Because of this, he was sent to a strict reform school where he claims he was attacked and raped by the other students. Because of this, he developed a defense technique, which he called the insane game, where he'd basically just act like he was off his rocker, like he'd scream and say all crazy things and flip around so everyone would think he was
1: crazy and they would just leave him alone. I mean, I know that taking advice from Charles Manson probably isn't the best idea, but... It's worth noting that that probably would help you if you were ever in a horrible situation. Yeah. If someone's, like, trying to grab you and you just act like you're fucking batshit crazy, it's probably gonna help you. So he escaped
0: the school in 1951 with two other boys, which is a pattern. He can't really be held down very easily. Mm -hmm. They They were driving stolen cars and robbed several gas stations along their path, but he was soon captured by police and sent to the National Training School for Boys. When he arrived, he was given tests, which showed that he was illiterate, but he had an IQ of 109, and the national average was 100.
1: Oh, that's cool. He's Mark just guy. slightly above average. I don't know how many points nine points is, but I don't imagine that it's groundbreaking. I don't have a knowledge of IQ. I mean, we studied it a lot, but we it was more just whether it was reliable. I don't really know what one single points or nine single points would mean.
0: You know anything about IQ? Here's up. <laughs>
1: yeah, tell us all about
0: the Isaac inventory.
1: Woo! Don't.
0: Later that year, he was moved to a minimum security prison by recommendation of his psychiatrist. who said that he was aggressively antisocial. While in prison, his aunt visited him and told him that... She told the police that if they let him go, she'll take him in and she'll love him and make sure he goes to school and gets a job and kind of just become a normal citizen. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "Okay, we'll 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 get you like a parole hearing, and we'll see how it goes." So this worked, and he was scheduled for a parole hearing in February 1952. But one one month before, uh, they caught him raping a boy at knife point. So they just sent him to a different prison instead. Wonderful. Yeah. In the next prison, he also committed eight serious offenses, three involving homosexual acts, and he was moved to a maximum security prison as a result. So he raped more boys. Pretty much, is what it implied. I couldn't find anything about the actual details, but he basically just said a bunch of horrible shit to a bunch of horrible people. And then they moved into a maximum security prison, rather than a school.
1: So how old is he now?
0: He is
1: 17. My goodness, and in maximum security. Yeah.
0: He was expected to be released on his 21st birthday but good behaviour allowed him to be released to his aunt and uncle a year before this, so when he was 20.
1: Wait, he's released when he's 20? He's been raping boys at knife point. Well, that's how it works, I guess. Yeah, but he folds his laundry and makes this bad. Good behaviour,
0: yeah, they let him out for good behaviour. He was aggressively antisocial. Well, now he's free. So after this, he married his first wife, Rosalie, and she gave birth to their son, Charles Manson Jr.
1: Oh, cute name.
0: He went back to prison, and his mother informed him that Rosalie was living with another man, so they ended up divorcing. While in prison, Manson developed a sense of stability that he didn't have on the outside. He joined several prison clubs and learned how to play the guitar. And this kind of made him obsessed with music, like he very quickly developed a strong obsession with the Beatles, like he loved them so much. And he thought that his music ability would like make him bigger than them if he had the opportunity. Like he thought that he was, I mean, great, you know. Which is kind of a an, a theme. Bit narcissistic, then.
1: I mean, I guess you have to be if you're gonna like form a cult around yourself.
0: Yeah, lead a cult and call it after your own name. Yeah. So he was released from prison in 1967, and he soon began attracting a group of followers that would later be known as the Manson Family cult. So you have to remember at this time that he, because he was in prison, he he was learning all of this stuff. He was reading a lot of books. Like he was really good at guitar. He was an attractive guy. People wanted to hang out with him. Right. Like it kind of started because he was a really cool hippie in an era of cool hippies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Like he's talented. He's attractive, and he doesn't really look like what obviously he looked like when he was in prison and he had like a swatch, like a swatch, like a tattoo, and all his hair was falling out and stuff like that. Like he looked like a cute guy. Same
1: as like Ted Bundy. So like people wanted to befriend him and stuff because he was hot and whatever. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And his his family, so his followers, were mostly two types of people. They were either really like outcasted loners or they were white middle class women who were bored of their families and wanted to kind of do something else and follow this guy. Bit bored might join a cult. Well, it wasn't a cult originally. (laughs) I mean, maybe it was. I don't know. The family consisted of approximately 100 followers who lived an unconventional lifestyle with habitual use of hallucinogenic drugs. It was the summer of love, so the hippie lifestyle was very desirable, and this guy Charles Manson was well-known in the local area as a kind of guru who attracted his followers. They also lived in a bus, as a side note.
1: A hundred of them? Not a hundred of
0: them, but like his sort of closest followers lived in a bus with him. Oh, the cool crew were in the back of the bus. Yeah, Yeah, the cool guys. And it was like decked-out hippie bus, you know? cool his followers claim that they hung on on to Manson's every word and did whatever he told them to so this ranged from sort of household chores to like having sex with him dumpster diving for food one of his first followers Mary Brunner gave birth to a baby boy Charles Luther Manson so at this point Charles Manson has two kids and they're both called Charles Manson (laughs) oh no that's gonna
1: have some unfortunate repercussions for them
0: a little while later, Mary became pregnant again with another son. Charles Manson. <laughs> Valentine Michael, so not Charles Manson 4. <laughs> what a weenie. Call it Charles Manson 4 or bust. <laughs> there are already three Charles Mansons. <laughs> he taught his followers that they were the reincarnations of the original Christians and implied strongly that he was Christ. The family soon started to see Charles as the reincarnation of Jesus and believed in his prophecies. He often told a story where he expressed that he envisioned himself on the cross with nails in his hands and feet, which they believed. Hmm. Fun. He would often talk to his group about one particular prophecy he had where he envisioned a race war between white people and black people that would soon erupt. He told them there would be bloodshed between the races, but his family would go underground until the war ended and they would emerge as saviors to the black race that had
1: won the war. I mean, he at least... He was forward-thinking.
0: This is because he listened to the Beatles song, Helter Skelter. Right. And he thought that's what the song was about. He thought that... So when he listened to the album, I think it's called The White Album, he thought it was written for him and his family. But didn't he want to best the Beatles? Why would they be churning out songs for him? Because he's narcissistic and he's kind of crazy. So he thinks that they are trying to communicate with him through this album. And they're telling him about this prophecy basically so the, the prophecy was called Helter Skelter that's what they called it because that's what he thought the song
1: was about and it was a message to him right so like how the, the Heaven's Gate guy thought that Star Trek was talking to him exactly but the Beatles that's why I went on the Beatles website
0: right we went to Liverpool which is where I'm from and I, told, I was making references to Helter there and I didn't realise Kate didn't know this oh no they
1: all went over my head I didn't know <laughs> we'll have to get back sorry it's okay
0: yeah, so he he was convinced there was a hidden meaning to Hunter skeleton. That's what he called his his plan that so it's sort of prophecy, and he convinced his family that they could hear it as well.
1: Wow, uh, I mean, it's just the power of suggestion, isn't it? Exactly, he's so, a very persuasive guy. Well, that I mean, it's so easy to trick your mind. Like there there have been so many psychology studies that have been like, um, there was one. I'm going off on a slight tangent. We'll come back. So you put on some headphones and nothing plays. And People ask you if you can hear the song "White Christmas," um, and so many people said that they could hear it just because of the suggestion, like "Oh, let us know if you can hear this specific song." Wow! Yeah, that's so crazy. Human brain, man, malleable.
0: Wow! Yeah, so they were all convinced now that they that was the that was about them. Yeah, and that the Beatles were sort of telling them that this is how they could preserve themselves, that this is how they could preserve the worthy from the impending disaster. Right. So they would all go underground while this race war went on that they were convinced was going to happen, and they would all be safe at the end.
1: Wow. Oh.
0: So meanwhile, because Helter Skelter hadn't got into, like, action yet, he just told everyone, like, one day Helter Skelter is going to go on, we're going to hide, and, you know, right now we're going to do other stuff, basically. So, His persuasion and musical talent got him a shot with Hollywood's music industry uh, and the insiders, including Dennis Wilson, who was a member of the Beach Boys.
1: Oh, cool. Love the Beach Boys.
0: So, at one point, the cult moved into Dennis Wilson's house for a few months and they ended up costing him over $100,000 worth of food, medical bills, repairs from property damage and hospital bills. I'm not surprised there are a hundred of them. Yeah, I read online as well. I didn't write this down, but I read that Dennis just kind of turned up at his house, and Charles Manson was in his driveway, and he was like, are you going to hurt me? And Charles was like, I would never hurt you, and was like kissing his feet and stuff, and was like, you have to let me play you my music, like, you have to let me live with you, and he was like, what? And then he went into his house, and his cult were just there. Oh, fun. But, you know, he let him live there for a bit. Manson would ask Wilson for money, steal his possessions, including his golden records, crash his car, and take LSD in his house, and just have sex, and... Wilson just kind of let him, this poor guy, he tried to get producers to listen to his music, but that's how persuasive he was as a guy. like yeah. He was ruining this man's house and char- like, charging him all this money, and he was just like, yeah, I'll get you some record deals, like, you're so talented,
1: you know. Oh my goodness.
0: The producers liked Manson's music, but they thought that he was far too unstable to have a professional career in the music industry. Understandably. Dennis's team tried to train him in the studio but Manson didn't like the unwelcome feedback and he threatened them with a knife. They quickly cut ties with him, even though Manson did get in the spotlight after he read the
1: Beach Boys song, Never Learn Not to Love. It's probably not the way to prove that you are stable, is to threaten people with a knife. He was
0: angry. I can imagine, if, you, if your persuasion techniques have got you this far, and then they're like, we don't think that we're going to assign you to the record label because we think you're a bit... You know,
1: off it. Yeah, He'd but so whip out a knife. Why don't you just be like, well, you can clearly see that I haven't acted in any horrible manner to you guys. Like, I don't think he thought about things like that. He wasn't. Yeah, word. Ted obviously... Bundy was
0: like, you know, just because you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, where he was in interviews with him when they're like, "Oh, did you do this?" And he was just kind of laughing and being like, "No, like I stole a comic book," and that was kind of it. You know what I mean? Like joking. Charles Manson wasn't like that. He was angry and he was like, well, I'll just
1: kill you. (laughs) So he was just a charming narcissist that had real anger problems.
0: I guess. Yeah. When Dennis Wilson died in a drunk drowning incident in 1983, Charles believed it was karma because he took his music and changed the world, changed the words from his soul. Right. So he was glad that he was dead. According to the prosecution attorney on the Manson murder case, his obsession with his lack of success in the entertainment in- industry contributed to the murders that made him famous. So he became obsessed with the rich and like, the famous and the industry insiders who criticised him, and he decided that they needed to suffer and die. He called them pigs, and he wanted to kill all of them.
1: as a bit of a leap, As revenge.
0: There.
1: Yeah, well... You can tell he's not a very stable guy. No,
0: not at all. So, in August of 1969... Manson summoned his followers and he told them it was time to begin Helter Skelter. He said that the black people needed some encouragement to start this because obviously everyone was like, well, the race war isn't happening. And he was like, well, we have to just start it then. (laughs) (laughs) What? So he instructed his most loyal followers, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, Linda Kasabian, and Tex Watson to murder Hollywood's elite and frame black men for the crimes would
1: initiate the race war he had spoken about. I thought he didn't want the race war. I thought that's why he was going underground. He wanted to be, like, the saviour, but why was he going underground if he wanted this race war? To hide from the black people that were obviously going to come for him, in inverted commas? I don't know, man. uh, I don't know why I'm trying to make sense of it. The man was off his rocker.
0: Yeah, so he thought that if he pinned it on the black people, then the white people would come after them and the race war will begin. And then also... You know, two birds with one stone, he'd kill all the rich people that he didn't like anyway, so...
1: Jesus.
0: (laughs) That was kind of his plan. So we told them to go to the house where the producer he wouldn't sign him used to live, and kill everyone in there as as gruesome as possible. The house was recently rented to Hollywood actress Sharon Tate and her husband film director Roman Polanski, but he was away in Europe filming. The family members proceeded to kill Sharon Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant at the time,
1: Oh, man, she'd been carrying a baby for eight and a half months. That's a lot of time and effort. Yeah,
0: and four of the visitors before using Sharon's blood to write pig on the door as they left. Poor Sharon. She didn't do anything. None of them did anything. These were just people. I mean, Roman Polanski had gotten some accusations recently, but at the time, they were all completely innocent people. They didn't do anything wrong. I think one of them was a celebrity hairdresser as well. They were all just... Hanging out in this house, you know Sharon Tate was a famous actress.
1: She was pregnant, and they just killed her because she was elite, basically. Yeah, but it wasn't even like she had rejected him. Do you know? What I, I kind of obviously I don't condone it, but I would understand the anger, sort of. You know, oh this person told me I wasn't good enough, criticised me, whatever. I am gonna go kill them. But to kill, you know, just a pregnant actress and some like a hairdresser and visitors or whatever.
0: Maybe he thought that. The producer still lived there. I didn't. I couldn't find out whether he thought that or not, or whether he knew that Sharon Tate lived there. But
1: because she was rich and famous, he still wanted her dead, anyways. Well, I just don't really think he really cared. If he's told the family we're going to go there and kill everyone there, oh, every
0: single person, yeah. Yeah, true. I
1: don't think. I think he was just like, well, it's a nice house. You know, there have got to be some famous people here. We'll just kill them all. Yeah.
0: Well, several days later, he called his followers to search for more victims. They drove around for several hours before breaking into the home of grocery store chain owners Lino, Leno, and I don't know how to pronounce that. Lino, Eliano, I don't know, and Rosemary Labianca, killing them both before leaving the writing. Before leaving, they got the refrigerator and they wrote the words, rise, death to pigs, and health skelter on it in their blood. That's a lot of writing.
1: Yeah. Normally, you would write something short and sweet, I imagine. If you're trying to get out of there, it's just before you leave. Yeah, this is like six words. They're long words as well.
0: Helter, Skeller. They didn't think that they were going to get caught there. I mean, maybe they did, but, you know, they thought they were going to go underground and the race war would just happen. They're just the followers. Yeah, but it's still illegal. You know the police are going to for you. True. The same night, Manson wanted to commit another crime, so we instructed Linda Kasabian to go to another actor's house and kill everyone again. Um, but she was acquainted with this actor. So Kasabian thwarted the plan by deliberately knocking on the wrong door of the apartment. And then a stranger woke up. And then they all had to like run and leave the plan. That's clever.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, computer needs charge. Are you, serious? you didn't plug it in? Oops.
0: Okay, we're back. So yeah, she was pretty clever. You know, she didn't obviously want her friend acquaintance to be killed so smart but one of them did take a dump on the stairwell of the apartment so they didn't <laughs> so they got their
1: revenge anyway they didn't just abandon it yeah why would you take a dump that's dna
0: they didn't care
1: oh yeah so
0: the murders were quickly discovered because these were of course high profile people people are going to know if you've killed them mm-hmm And that was fine, because they wanted to do crimes that would shock the world and spread their message quicker. Their trial lasted seven months before the jury found the defendants guilty of seven murders and conspiracy to commit murder. Because obviously they were caught pretty quickly, as she said. Yeah. That man took a dump on the stairs. They all received the death penalty
1: besides Linda Kasabian. This was in 1971. Why not her? Wasn't she still a part of the other one? I guess, but... Well, just because she tried to save one family doesn't mean she didn't kill seven people.
0: During the trial, the judge banished the defendant several times for being too ex- too loud, like extremely disruptive. They were just causing chaos, so he would just make them leave and then come back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At one point, Manson was rambling on, talking about a bunch of nonsense, and the judge asked him to keep quiet. Manson then said, The moment I see you're going to kill me, do you know what I'm going to do? The judge asked, What are you going to do? I'm going to have you removed, Mister Manson, if you don't stop. And Manson replied with, "I'm going to have you removed if you don't stop. I have a little system of my own." He then jumped towards the judge's bench, bench and the sheriff had to drag him out from the
1: courtroom. And he was screaming. Ooh, so big man, a eh? he was trying to trying to scare him. Was he trying to jump at him? Like he's not got a weapon. Well, he's in court. I don't know, man. Angry or well, knobbard?
0: So one year later the death penalty in california was abolished so their sentences had to be changed to life in prison oh so none of them were killed in the death penalty because they didn't exist anymore manson died of a heart attack and colon cancer in 2017 susan atkinson died in 20- 2009 sorry and the others are still in prison beside a kasabian who changed their name i'm mad she did one interview i think on a documentary that's it.
1: She literally did what the rest of them did. Well, now she's out. I'm livid. Unless, if you have any more information about why she should have been you know, rated I guess lower than the others, then please let me know. But if it's just because she foiled their second murder plan third their third murder plan, then What? They'd already killed people.
0: Yeah, I didn't go, I didn't search for too much information on that because I didn't want to make this really, really long, you know, but I can't. She just didn't get the same sentence as them. They all got, you know, death and then life and then she just got
1: out. I thought he was way worse. You did? Yeah, for a name that big, I would have expected way worse. (laughs) Seven people. Yeah, I know that that's bad. Obviously, I'm not, you know. Well, what's so
0: interesting is it's because he didn't kill any of them. He persuaded people into thinking that he was so cool and and big that this entire, like, there was an apocalypse coming and that they should kill people. And they just did it.
1: Yeah, but That's why he's so crazy. Prime ministers and presidents do that all the time. Oh my god, Kate. Okay. Uh, but, like, they send people to war for them. And people don't know why they're being sent to war. Do you know what I mean? Like, I expected it to have been, you know, even over ten. Because his name is so big. Fair enough. Like, Charles Manson is a huge name.
0: I get you. But, yeah, I think it is just the, the fact that he was killing famous people. He didn't even do anything. He convinced everyone of this prophecy that didn't happen. He got into the music industry. Like, he was obviously a very interesting and, like, persuasive yeah. guy. People
1: killed for him for no reason. They didn't have any beef with these people. I guess, as well, like, he was attractive. He killed attractive, rich, famous people. He's going to be a big name. I just, I'm surprised that it was only seven. Obviously, it's horrible that he took seven lives or he made other people take seven lives, but. Oh, I'm all well, you are. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That
0: was Charles Manson and the the murders. There weren't that many murders, but they were high-profile people. They were murders nonetheless. Exactly.
1: You want to take a quick break to plug everything?
0: Quick break to plug everything. All right, you want to do social
1: media? No. (laughs) Okay, well. (laughs) We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's at Pod. Uh, Go check it out on Instagram. We'll have photos of the stories that we're talking about and Twitter and Facebook, I think. We have
0: them on everything, but it's easy to find on Instagram because it's obviously a photo-sharing website.
1: Yeah, so um, go check that out. And we have Patreon, if you would like to go over to Patreon. Uh, We've got loads of tiers. You don't have to spend too much money. Uh, We've got exclusive content on there. Little little surprises. Cool rewards. Extra episodes. Yeah, behind the scenes. So that would really help us out. Yeah. And
0: If you don't want to do that and you want to donate anyway, if you go to our website, com, we have a button that says support the podcast and you can donate by PayPal or buy us a coffee or whatever. If you are interested, obviously you don't have to. You can just follow us, but it would
1: be nice. That it would. I don't want to deliver phone books for much longer. <laughs> I'm never delivering 2,500 phone books ever again, so. Cool. Um, we also
0: have a discount code for cosmiccrystals.co.uk. Whoop, whoop. It's 10% off with the code Ms. Magic Pod, And those are cute little crystal necklaces, jewelry. They're really sweet. Good for Christmas. They are really cute. The holidays, hint, hint.
1: Or just good for a little self-love.
0: Yeah, if you're into crystals, which you might be if you listen to this podcast, then... Go over to CosmicCrystals.co.uk and use the code MythMagicPod for 10%
1: off. That's MythMagicPod for 10% off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's cool. I'm probably going to buy some stuff for that. I don't have anything at the minute, but I'm definitely planning on getting some stuff when I get some
1: I mean, it was cute and reasonably inexpensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Head on over. Yeah, do we have anything else to plug? I don't think so. We'll probably
0: remember something at the end, but for (laughs) now. (laughs) We don't really have anything, but if you want to follow us on social media, that would be cool.
1: That would be cool. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. I know you're listening right now, so that's helping. It is. Cool, so I'll move on. Give us the goss, Kate. What's next? <clears throat> Here's the goss on the Beaumont children. Ooh. Um, so the sources that I've used, the lineup, Wikipedia, some random stuff, one.wordpress.com, Sunday Mail, the Canberra Times, Sydney Morning Herald, and ABC News. So this happened in Australia on January the 26th, 1966, which is Australia Day. There were three siblings, Jane, who was nine, Anna, who was seven, and Grant, who was four. They visited Glenelg Beach in Adelaide on a hot day. The beach was a short bus ride away from their home, and they had completed the journey the day before with their father, Jim. Jim was on a three-day work event, and their mother, Nancy, was meeting with one of her friends at home. So the kids just went off on their own. Jane was in charge. It was a five-minute bus stop. To give you an order of events, the children arrived at the beach at about quarter past ten. And for the next three quarters of an hour, they were observed swimming in shallow water. From here, they were seen playing under a sprinkler back on land. A witness saw them here playing together. Um, and the witness also said that a man was originally laying nearby watching them but then joined the children as they playfully whipped each other with their towels. At around midday, the children were seen at Wenzel's Cake Shop, where they bought pasties, a pie, and drinks. The children missed their midday bus home, and were seen with the man from earlier. He was dressing the children, so like putting their clothes back on over their their swimming costumes, and they awaited his return when he was getting changed in the little changing rooms at the beach. So... But this guy was no relative to them? They, no. He was just random, like the beach? Yeah. Okay. So, where the children didn't get on the bus back home, their mum obviously waited for the next bus, which was at 2pm. Um, so they obviously weren't very frequent buses. And um, when they weren't on that bus either, she started to freak out. So she phoned the police, and they quickly organised a search, presuming that the kids had just lost track of time. So... um. When the children weren't found still, the search expanded into the sand hills, the ocean, nearby buildings, the airport, rail lines, interstates, and the police realised that they hadn't drowned or, you know, something similar because their belongings were gone as well. They weren't just left on the beach. Right, yeah, that makes sense. What year was this? 1966. 66. okay. The Sunday Mail released a story um, three days later it was titled "Sex Crime Now Feared," but the initial um amount of money, like the reward, was only um two hundred and fifty American pounds. So obviously everyone's freaking out. No one has any idea where the kids are. The police starting to you know gather witnesses, or whatever. This guy, I'm gonna say it like with a French accent, which is don't don't be awful. don't, <laughs> but it's Gerard. Croizet, if I say it in not a French on, accent. say it in a French accent. Gérard Croiset. <laughs> he turned up on the 8th of November. So it's been a good few months because this all happened in January um, of the same year. He's a parapsychologist and a psychic from the Netherlands. I don't know if he's the best representation of these communities because his success rate was low and compared to his failure rate, It looked like his results were no better than chance. But anyway, he searched for the children who still hadn't been found. And although his story changed daily about what, you know, everything was telling him, the ghosts or whatever he used. um, He brought police to a building site and said that the children were buried under new concrete in an old brick kiln. Obviously, the owners didn't want to go digging up their ground on the word of a previously unsuccessful psychic. Fair enough. But they were eventually forced to because the media had raised 40000 um, Australian dollars to have the building demolished. Nothing was there. Damn. Yeah. That's both depressing and frustrating. Mm-hmm. Did this guy get sacked? Oh, God knows. Well, he used to go around... To different cases being like, I'll help. And everyone was like, no. That's so frustrating. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are psychics who, you know,
0: do know this stuff and do try to help. But to put yourself in that position of you don't actually know anything.
1: That's what I mean. Like, it's I'm sure he's so not the best representation. Oh, yeah, definitely not. But why would you... Oh, I guess you're trying to help, but why would you get involved? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. So two years after the children vanished, uh there was... A letter sent to the parents with a postal stamp from Victoria. Um, Sorry, there were two letters sent. One letter reads, Dear Mum and Dad, we had a very beautiful lunch today. We had some turkey and a lot of vegetables. They tasted really nice. The man is feeding us really well. The man took us to see the sound of music yesterday. The letter was from Jane, and handwriting experts matched it to previous letters Jane had written before she went missing. So it was her? Another letter came through, telling Nancy and Jim that the man was willing to hand them back to their parents and a meeting place was nominated. They went, but nobody else arrived. A third letter came through later, again from Jane, saying that because a disguised detective was there with the parents, the man said that he would keep the children rather than giving them back. In 1992, fingerprint technology was used on the letters and found that it was all a hoax. No! Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Mm -hmm. The author was a 41-year-old who had been a teenager at the time. Yeah, he was 17 at the time. Just pranking him.
0: Why would you do something like that?
1: Could you imagine how the parents must have felt?
0: Right? That's so rough, man. Don't do that.
1: Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. God. So, there were a few suspects, obviously. Wait, so does that mean that... that person
0: who wrote the letter was just really good at copying handwriting well I guess I don't know how would he know what
1: the handwriting was like I maybe they didn't maybe they just happened to hit the nail on the head do you know what I mean because how else would you know what Jane's handwriting looked like if you were just a random 17 year old trying to play that's what I
0: mean yeah like for them to match it and be like yeah that was her yeah okay that's a bit weird but continue
1: (coughs) excuse you sorry so, yeah, there are a few suspects. Bevan Spencer von Einem. He's now 73 years old. He's been convicted of one murder, but suspected of five or more. The murder he's convicted for was the murder of Richard Dallas Kelvin, who was abductive, abducted, held captive, sexually abused, drugged, and tortured for five weeks. When police were investigating Bevan for the Beaumont children... Yeah, sorry so afraid that I got the name wrong for the Beaumont children there was a tip off from someone called Mr. B Mr. B recalled having a conversation with Bevan in which Bevan boasted that he had taken three children from a beach to conduct experiments Bevan said he had performed brilliant surgery on each one of them and had connected them up oh my god uh however uh, there was <laughs> I hate that
0: Oh, surgery? (laughs) Surgery's fine, but, like, experimental surgery is one of my biggest, like, fears. I've not watched *Human Centipede. I don't think I'm going to.
1: Don't, it's horrific. The thought of... uh, uh. However, there was no concrete evidence. He did match sketches, uh, because they used an identikit. Um, And in 2007, police were examining archival footage that showed a young man looking like Bevan among onlookers. But he hasn't been charged because there's no concrete evidence. It's all circumstantial. Arthur Stanley Brown was a suspect. He died in 2002 at the age of 90. He was convicted of sexual assault and 28 counts of rape, as well as the murders of five and seven-year-old Susan and Judith McKay. My God. He wasn't actually convicted of the murders. It was a hung jury, but they didn't get to retrial because he died. He also fit the identikit picture, but again, there's no evidence and now he's dead. So if it was him, they'll never know. James Ryan O'Neill was a suspect. He's about 72, they're not too sure on when he was born. Um, As in Wikipedia isn't too sure on when he was born. He was jailed for life in 1975 for the murder of a nine-year-old boy. He claims to have never visited Adelaide because people were suspecting him for it so he got interviewed and he was like oh no i've never been to adelaide um which is where the beach was but his work required him to visit cuba Petty or pd which means he would have had to pass through adelaide to get there unless he took like a really long detour so he's a liar but regardless he's no longer a suspect in the beaumont case and there's henry phipps who is a suspect he's the one that i have the most information on he died in 2004 he has a son called Hayden, who went on Today Tonight Beaumont Bombshell, or there was an article. I'm not entirely sure what that is. If anyone is in Australia, please tell me what that is. Um, And Hayden had said that three kids came into the yard to talk to his father. They went inside the house for about 15 to 20 minutes. Then his father came and loaded some bags into the car. And when Hayden went inside, the kids were gone. But, Hayden's son, Nick... So, Hayden was 15 at the time. And Hayden's son, Nick, said that his grandfather put the kids into the back of the car. They went to Castelloy, which is like a factory where Harry worked, or owned. And that they were killed there. But Nick wasn't alive then, so I'm not, I'm not really sure how that's transpired. I don't know whether Hayden's just told his son that, or what. Alan Whitaker. the author of the satin man which is a book about harry recalled that hayden said that his father's factory had a number of cottages available where phipps kept his satin dresses and other paraphernalia for his sexual habits and the children were subdued and buried there the satin comes into play because apparently harry had a fetish with satin and if he handled it he would become uncontrollably aroused in one of hayden's recollections of the day he said that his father was handling bags of satin when the children had come to visit the house. Right. So if that's a legit version of events, it's possible that you know Harry then did whatever he did to the kids and killed them. You know. Yeah. But where he keeps changing the story so, so much, there's no way telling. So in two thousand eight, Hayden told Bill Hayes, who's a former detective that after he saw the Beaumont children enter, he heard four gunshots. However, there were super leading questions being asked to him. So this I got from some random stuff on .wordpress. Hayden was asked, did you hear any noises, any screaming or any shouting? Hayden responded, no. He was then asked if he heard any gunshots. Hayden responds, yeah, we heard some gunshots go off, but Harry's always letting off gunshots. That means nothing. So I don't think it needs a degree in, in interviewing to see that asking specifically if there were any gunshots is a leading and suggestive question. Yeah. If you've asked someone if they heard any noises and they've already said no, to then go like, well, did you hear any gunshots? It's not really reliable information that you get in there. So some questions to ask. Oh, if this is true, why didn't Hayden go to the police? Um, it's said that he has some problems with authority, but is that really enough to stop you if you believe that your father's killed three kids and it's in news everywhere? Obviously, it was international news because you had um, Gerard turn up, who was from the Netherlands. So that's one question. Why does his story change? In some, there were gunshots. Others, they were killed in the house. Others, they were killed at Castelloy. How is everything changing that much in your mind if you're sure that it was your father? Yeah, that's true. Also, why would Harry have killed them at Castelloy? Because it was during factory hours. Hmm. Surely someone else would have seen you. Yeah. If it was a hot day, broad daylight, you've got three kids with you. People know they're not yours because they must have seen Hayden around doesn't really make very much sense people have described Hayden as delusional and he was uh, really heavily into drink and drug use so it's possible that the accusations aren't reliable maybe he has a beef with his father um, which could be substantiated as Hayden says he was sexually abused by his father from the ages of four to fourteen and when he was older than that he could physically overpower his father and he was 15 when the Beaumont children went missing. So it could be that he's got all of that rage from his father. He wants to get him done for something. He doesn't care what it is. Yeah. Or it could be that his father had moved on and then gone for these three kids that he'd seen on the beach. So. I don't know about that. I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, the rape claim is backed up because uh, Linda, which is a fake name, has said that Harry raped her in 1979. The report came in not that long ago from now, probably early 2000s, I think, because she didn't know who he was, but when she saw his face in relation to the Beaumont case, she recognized him and reported it. Harry was also a suspect because he liked pies.
0: What? Yep. Oh, because they bought pie?
1: Yeah, exactly. So don't
0: everyone like pie? (laughs) You like pie? Don't I like pie. everyone like pie? No, um... <laughs> I didn't know why I said it like that. Doesn't everybody
1: like pie? <laughs> so the guy at Wenzel's cake shop was familiar with the Bowman children and said they had never purchased a meat pie from him before. <laughs> this is dumb. Mm-hmm. I know it's logical, but like... However, on this day, when the children came in, they bought five pasties, six finger buns, two bottles of soft drink, along with a single meat pie in a separate bag. I feel like the separate bag isn't isn't that weird because the rest of it was sweet, apart from pasties. All right, I'll give it that.
0: Yeah, there's pasties and there's a pie, you might not want them to touch. Also at the bottom of pies, it can be quite soft.
1: Oh so. no, I just meant like the finger buns, you wouldn't want them in the same bag.
0: Oh yeah, but to have a, a a bag of pasties, a bag of buns and then one single pie, I get it. But like, maybe the bag was just cramped.
1: Maybe. it's a lot of pasties. That is. And two bottles of soft drinks. So. Yeah, right? But also, the fact that they bought all of this and paid for it with a £1 note, which is around 27 Australian dollars now. Nancy didn't give them that much money. She only gave Jane eight shillings and a sixpence. Ah, oh, so somebody's given them the money. So they're, they're thinking, like, someone's given them the money and then, like, get me a
0: meat pie. And they've got things for all of them and then got him a separate meat pie in a separate bag
1: and pay for it with his money. Exactly, yeah. Ah, Okay. Well, because Harry knew the people in Wenzel's cake shop, so if he'd have gone in with them, it's possible that then they would have been like, oh, we saw Harry with the three kids. Yeah. Also, Harry used to give children one-pound notes all the time, including Hayden, his son. But it wasn't just Hayden that backed this up. There were also a couple boys that dug a hole at Castelloy for Harry and got paid handsomely in ones. Also... Jane had a white purse on her the day of the disappearance. In 2007, Stuart Mullins, who is the author and a detective, went into Harry's home, and Harry was deceased by then, and saw that Harry's second wife, Elizabeth, had a white purse in the basement. He remarked that Jane used to have one similar, and Elizabeth explained that she bought it last week at a charity shop. He was then like, well, why did you display it in a basement? And she asked him to leave.
0: Oh, right. So they're guilty.
1: He told the police, they went, and the purse was nowhere to be found. Oh, that's so suspicious. Yeah, totally. Okay. Moving on to the identikit. A sketch was drawn of the man with that was with the children on the day. He was described as being blonde or light brown haired. Mid thirties, lean, fair, but tanned a bit, and six foot one. The drawing will be on Instagram, and the sketch looks pretty similar to Harry. However, the artist was drunk when he drew the sketch. What? Why did they let that happen? And he was on a tight deadline. Uh, Sorry? They just let, wait,
0: wait. Yeah. Does this guy work for the police? I don't don't have a clue, but I found that information and I was like, why is no one buying my art? But this guy got hired (laughs) to drunkenly
1: and on a tight schedule draw a murder suspect. Yeah. This is... uh, (laughs) Ugh. also it's questionable Uh. as to whether sketches like these are actually reliable or not because it's all very subjective you can say like did he have a big nose or a small nose and then you know
0: yeah that's so funny like it's not because obviously it disrupts the case but the concept
1: of just letting that happen is ridiculous (laughs) yeah oh and people were like oh well i mean that can't have been harry because harry was i think harry was 47 at the time And they were like, oh, yeah, well, the witness says that he's in his mid-30s. So how could a 47-year-old look in his mid-30s? I was like, what? I hate seeing Paul Rudd.
0: (laughs) I hate things like that because it makes no sense. Like, if I look at someone, I don't know how old they are. I know you can. You're very good at knowing how old someone is to the the exact date. I have no idea. So if I look at someone, I'm like, I don't know, like, uh, between the ages of 12 and
1: 60. I got called 16 the other day and I'm 21.
0: Yeah, there you go. Like, one of the old ladies who had delivered a phone book to you thought I was 16 and I'm 22.
1: So there you go. Exactly. So, there's no real. Well, ignore that. Yeah,
0: it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> if you're like someone looks in their mid 30s, they could be any age. You could be in your 20s and look older or in your 40s and look younger. Like, it's dumb. Also, what does a mid 30 year old look
1: like? Right. How do you Who knows that, right? Oh. So, going back to those boys who got paid in one pound notes to dig a hole. They realised eventually that it was in fact Harry that had asked them to dig this hole. For no reason. Oh man, Harry did it. Suspiciously grave-like. The weekend after Australia Day. Suspiciously grave-like. They did it. He did it. In 2018, the police checked the hole and found nothing but the bones of a large animal. So... It's possible that he wanted to get rid of someone else, you know? Maybe his cow died. Maybe he had a cow. I don't know. It's just very convenient, though, that he
0: fits mm-hmm. on his boxes. Maybe he buried them and then he realised people would notice so he
1: dug it up and put, like, a deer down there. Well, it's possible that... Because, obviously, that was in 66. Yeah. Kangaroo? I don't know what I'm And this are. is... 2018 that this was being dug up. So it's possible that the boys have said that it's the wrong space. Anyway, True, yeah. Or Harry could have used a different method of disposal because he cemented over a section of the factory and he also had a huge furnace. Oh my god. Yeah. So so this that's... This is the
0: most suspicious man I've ever <laughs> thought of in my entire life.
1: Yeah but that's that's that the case has been going for 53 years and 11 months on boxing day well i've just solved it it's that guy i don't care he doesn't like pies or whatever like he's done it as of 2018 the reward became 1 million australian dollars everybody i'm a millionaire nancy has since died on the 16th of september 2019 aged 92 that's so recent still has no knowledge of her children's whereabouts that's so sad people yep. who just die and they don't know what happened i think that's the worst thing just not knowing because at least when they're dead at least you have that closure but they could they may still be alive yeah they could you can mourn someone if
0: they're dead and you can be like that's so sad and you know, i really miss this person but she's probably holding on that she would find them mm-hmm. you know Up or at least find dead. their body just forever that's so sad
1: yeah it's horrible what do you think happened i think it was probably harry i'm gonna be honest because there were too many things you know there was the fact that he liked to abuse children The fact that they paid everyone in ones the kids had a one you know he often went and bought meat pies from this one very specific shop where the kids were at that bought a meat pie um the fact that his son has said that they saw he saw three children yeah okay he doesn't really remember exactly what happened he's done a lot of drugs he's had a lot of drink he was 15 at the time i'm not fucking surprised yeah, although he had a furnace. And the purse?
0: Oh, the, the purse is extremely suspicious to me. That, I think, was one of the biggest parts, like, that you would have that. And then hide it, and then when they come to look at it, get rid of it. I think that's the
1: worst But well, that wasn't even Harry, though. That was his his second wife, so I feel like she must have known something. Otherwise, why would you bother hiding it? Do you know what I mean? You'd just be like, oh, weird coincidence that Jane used to have one of these.
0: Yeah, he prob- she probably knew, and then, you know, they had their stuff so that they couldn't find them. Yeah,
1: and then yeah so Damn. that's that's who I think did it but you know it's it's possible that some random guy on a beach just took him or, or one of the other suspects or well, there were a couple suspects that I didn't mention because there wasn't really enough to say on them Um, it was just kind of that they had done a crime similar and were in Australia really it's so sad I wonder what happened yeah so but it's just the amount of time that... All, and three children as well. It's not even like one child. It's not even like... Obviously, there's Madeleine McCann, which is kind of the most similar thing that we have yeah, in the UK. But that's one kid. I can't... It's a lot easier to take one kid than it is to take three at once. Three kids. Age between four and nine as well. A nine-year-old's got...
0: You, got, you have to trust somebody... At the age of nine to go with them. Well, that's Mm -hmm. what the police were saying. Because you know who you trust at that age.
1: Yeah, so I don't know whether they had met Harry before. Maybe that could be, you know, another um, nail in his coffin, you know.
0: The thing with kids, though, is that it's easy for... So if um, if you let your kids go somewhere... Obviously, this is a different time. People are a lot more trusting of their kids just to get on a bus and then come back later between the ages of four and nine. I don't think people would do that now, but... No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, but like if you see a bunch of kids who are by themselves and you're like, oh, are you alone? And they're like, yeah. You could say like, oh, I know your mum. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like kids that age would just be like, okay. Yeah, or... Because you trust your mother, you know what I mean? And I feel like at that point you don't really know unless you've been specifically told, which again, if they've been left on this bus at this at this age, they probably haven't well it's the
1: 60s people exactly. weren't saying stranger danger they weren't saying don't well exactly you know, he, someone could have gone up to these kids with like an ice cream each and said like oh you want to hang out with me today and they probably would have been like yeah well exactly yeah because you wouldn't you're not aware of what kind of
0: danger lies you know like when i was a kid because i was you know i, grew, I was born in 97 i was being told by teachers and stuff like you know, don't go with someone if they say, you know, your mom. Even if you, you sort of recognize them, don't go with them. Like, unless, like, you've been told specifically by your parents. Mm-hmm. Like, they were a lot more careful with it. Where if someone just says that to you, you don't think anything's anything bad's going to happen because you haven't been told that there are bad people out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's
1: entirely possible
0: that they just took them. You know, it's possible that they were nice to them and nothing bad happened. But I think it's quite unlikely.
1: Yeah, I just there's really no way of telling i hope that we find out at some point what's happened and it's good that they're still you know in 2018 they were still following up leads on the cold case you know yeah
0: that was just last year wasn't it
1: yeah so i just but yeah no it's it's awful and i feel so sorry for for jim and nancy
0: Well, thank you for that sad one
1: to (laughs) Sorry for the downer. I did tell you it was going to be awful before we started recording. No,
0: it's fine.
1: But I hope that you have learnt learnt one thing.
0: Yeah, I hope that you've learnt one thing today, at least.
1: Maybe. Alright, Mum.
0: Listen, Kate, what have you learnt today? I've learnt... but...
1: Helter Skelter. Yeah. Okay, well, there we go. I forgot his name. I keep wanting to call him Marilyn Manson, <laughs> <laughs> but Marilyn Manson hasn't killed anyone as far as I know. Uh, hopefully not, yeah. He probably has. Okay. <laughs>
0: this isn't an investigation into Marilyn <laughs> Manson, he's probably an alright guy, he has good songs. Anyway, that's not the point. Thank you for listening to this mess, to be honest. We did cover some good cases, but sorry the computer died, and then also sorry that we chatted a bunch of bunch of stuff, but anyways, doesn't matter. Thank you for listening.
1: Yeah, and don't listen before bed,
0: listen before bed.